Hello and welcome to the first episode of Run the Category. This is going to be a Jeopardy-focused trivia podcast. Each week, I'm going to pick a category from the show, run through some questions from the category, and then dive into the answers to learn some new trivia. At the end of the show, I'll also present a final Jeopardy question that I wrote myself for you to answer at home. I'll reveal that answer at the beginning of the next episode. Before we get into this week's category, just to introduce myself, my name is Sophia. I am a huge Jeopardy fan. I love the show. I love learning interesting trivia. And someday I really want to be a contestant on the show. I'm doing this podcast to help me study for the online tests and as a tribute to the show that I have so many fond memories of. It's so nice to meet everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, welcome to the first episode of Run the Category. The category for this week is... American Women. This category is from the Double Jeopardy round of the April 1st show of 2020. This is one of my favorite categories, even though I'm not that great at historical clues. The $400 clue from this category is... Mary Outerbridge brought this game to the U.S. in the 1870s, but customs gave her trouble over her net, which was not for fishing. answer? What is tennis? I wasn't able to figure this one out, and I was surprised to learn that tennis was not an English-originated game. Mary Outerbridge was actually born in Bermuda, and as the question states, she literally imported the game to the U.S. in 1847. She then set up the first tennis court and tennis club on Staten Island. Originally, the tennis court shape was an hourglass, which is an interesting visual for me. Another interesting fact about the origin of the game is it was originally called, and I apologize profusely for my horrid pronunciation, spheristic, which is Greek for playing at ball. That name didn't stick, obviously, and then it was called lawn tennis, eventually coming to be known as tennis after its popularity became so widespread. So the next time you play a game of tennis, thank Mary Outerbridge for the introduction and proliferation of the game. On to the next clue. The $800 clue from this category was... Frances Perkins, the first female cabinet secretary, was on the committee that designed this security blanket made law in 1935. The answer? What is social security? I was able to figure out this answer because of the hint about security, but I had no clue who Frances Perkins was. So let's start off by talking a little bit about her and what an incredible woman she was. Frances Perkins was the Secretary of Labor under President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and she served from 1933 to 1945, the longest-serving person in that position. And, as the clue states, she was the first female cabinet member in U.S. history. But before that, when she was just starting out in her career, she worked as a biology and physics teacher. She soon became interested in social reform. And then she went on to earn a master's in sociology, political science, and economics from Columbia University. What an academic with a very impressive resume. After working for a few social reform groups and being involved in the women's suffrage movement, she was appointed secretary of the New York Consumers League, where she worked to improve labor conditions. She went on to serve New York State in a few really important positions, 
eventually becoming the highest paid government woman in New York, and then she became Secretary of Labor of the U.S. In her personal life, she got married to Paul Wilson, and even though it was tradition to take her husband's last name, she fought to keep her own last name. In 1913, she had one daughter and was also heavily involved in volunteer work whenever possible. Not only was she an independent woman in her personal life, but professionally she was a force to be reckoned with. When she joined FDR's cabinet, she gave him a list of labor programs that she was going to work towards, including things like social security, minimum wage laws, unemployment relief, public works, fighting against child labor, and improving conditions in sweatshops. She was responsible for many of the fundamental policies in the New Deal, and she helped implement programs like the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Social Security Act. She made enemies, but she got stuff done that had never been done before in America. After her tenure as Secretary of Labor, President Truman appointed her to serve on the U.S. Civil Service Commission, where she spoke out against sexist policies, like government officials requiring secretaries and stenographers to be attractive. But even after retiring from government service, she kept on going. She published a memoir about her time in the presidential administration called The Roosevelt I Knew, and she worked as a teacher at the New York State School of Industrial and Labor Relations at Cornell University. All I can say about this woman is, wow. Not only did she make history by being the first female cabinet member, but her policies and her commitment to improving conditions for workers and the lower class groups was phenomenal. Her success in a time where women were dismissed and required to be attractive to provide government service only further illustrates how brilliant and tenacious she must have been to have such an illustrious career. I really admire her, and I hope I can do as much good in the world as she has someday. On to the next amazing women of this category. The $1,200 clue is... In October 2019, International Space Station astronauts Christina Koch and Jessica Meir made the first all-female This Venture. On January 15, 2020, they did it again. The answer is, what is a spacewalk? Their all-female spacewalk began at 7 a.m. and lasted for seven hours. The goal of this walk was to replace a faulty battery-slash-discharge unit. While Coke and Mir both viewed this as another part of their job, they also recognized that this mission had symbolic importance. Women haven't always been able to participate in space missions. Mir is only the 15th woman to perform a spacewalk in history. But this all-female spacewalk is representative of the idea that there is a role for everyone. To know the focus of this a bit onto the actual women that perform the spacewalk, Koch is an engineer with expertise in electrical engineering and physics, making her perfectly suited to be an astronaut. She's currently on track to set a record for the longest space flight by a woman, 328 days. Jessica Meir is a physiologist with a varied background in biology, space science, and marine biology. Both of these women are amazing examples of intelligence, commitment, and bravery, and are great examples to young girls everywhere. The $1,600 clue from the category. In 1904, Ida Tarbell set a standard for muckraking by helping to expose corruption in this industry. The answer? What is oil? 
If you were able to get this clue, congrats, because I wasn't able to. Before doing research, the only muckraking works I knew was Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. I had heard Ida Tarbell's name before, but nothing further than that about her career. Now, the hint in the clue was Standard, referring to the Standard Oil Company, which is the company that Ida Tarbell wrote her expose on. Ida Tarbell was a pioneering investigative journalist, or muckraker, in the early 1900s. She was most well-known for her novel, The History of the Standard Oil Company, which provided a detailed account of unfair practices and their business monopoly. She had a personal reason for her interest in investigative journalism, and specifically the Standard Oil Company, because years earlier, her family had been hurt by John D. Rockefeller's unfair practices. Despite being warned about Rockefeller's power of retaliation, she gathered as much information as she could on the oil trust. And while her book discussed the unfair practices of his company, she wasn't necessarily an anti-capitalist. She was simply against Rockefeller's disregard of ethical business. Besides her novel on the Standard Oil Company, she also wrote several popular biographies, including some on Abraham Lincoln. Now, while many consider her to be a prominent woman figure of her time, she didn't want to be seen as one. She was against the suffrage movement and believed that women's rights degraded a woman's traditional role in the private sphere. And while she didn't want to be seen as a role model, I think that her writing abilities and her ability to face down the largest corporation of her time make her bravery admirable. Now on to the next clue. The $2,000 clue is... Martha Washington often joined George at his wartime quarters, and, like the soldiers, was inoculated against this. The answer? What is smallpox? While we all know about her husband George and his exploits, most people don't know much about Martha Washington. I was one of those people, and I am proud to say I am no longer in that category. Hopefully, you won't be either in a few minutes. Martha Washington was originally born Martha Dandridge on 1731 in New Kent County. She then became Martha Custis in her first marriage to a wealthy planter, Daniel Custis. This last name, Custis, is often used in Jeopardy clues to signal that the answer is George Washington or Martha Washington. After Daniel Custis passed away, she inherited his estate, and she was considered to be the wealthiest eligible woman in Virginia at the time that she married Washington. She had four kids from her previous marriage, Francis, John, Daniel, and Martha. She and George never had any kids together, though. There isn't much information about her childhood, but she did have a lifelong love of reading and was an accomplished knitter and equestrian. During the Revolutionary War, she supported her husband at Valley Forge and at his winter encampments, where she provided care to soldiers. During the war, she was also integral to the fundraising campaign, especially among women. She asked for clothing, supplies, and money donations to support the troops. Interestingly, while Washington was elected unanimously, she wasn't so excited about the job of the First Lady. She even said that she felt like a state prisoner. She wasn't too happy to have to live in New York either, and she much preferred when the capital was moved to Philadelphia, although she was most happy at her home in Mount Vernon. She was the first woman to have her likeness on U.S. currency on the $1 silver certificate that was printed in 1886. That's not worth $300, so you made a good investment if you have one of those. 
and she was the first woman to be seen on postage stamps. She also has a chair and a sewing table named after her. After her passing, she was buried at her favorite place in Mount Vernon. Now, before we head into the final Jeopardy question, I want to thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. This is the first podcast I've ever done, so I'm a complete beginner. If you have any suggestions to make the show better and more enjoyable, if you have a category that you want me to cover, if I got something wrong in the show, or if you just want to say hi, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at runthecategory at gmail.com. I also recommend checking out the J Archive. It's an online resource that I use to put together the show, which contains all the clues and the answers from past Jeopardy episodes. I use it to find out what facts and information that the Jeopardy writers like to use to hint at certain answers. I really recommend checking it out. It's fantastic. The final Jeopardy question is... Born into a British Quaker family, this woman became a public health and sanitation advocate after receiving her medical degree from Hobart College in 1949. In fact, she was the first woman in America to receive a medical degree. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.